MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, December 24th, 2019. I'm your host, AG, and today we have a wonderful interview with Andrew Torres from the Opening Arguments podcast about how Jeff Bezos, the owner of the Washington Post and Amazon, alleged he was blackmailed by David Pecker from American Media Inc., potentially breaking his non-prosecution agreement with the Southern District of New York in the now famous hush money campaign finance crimes that aren't in the Southern District of New York anymore, but have moved their way uh, to the Manhattan District Attorney, Cy Vance, and are just about to be decided in the Supreme Court. Uh, This interview originally aired in an episode called Bezos Exposes Pecker on February 10th, 2019. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, and joining us for the interview today is co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast and real-life lawyer, Andrew Torres. Andrew, welcome to Mueller, she wrote. (laughs) AG, thank you so much for having me on. We're really delighted to have you here. Uh, I love your podcast, and um, I think this is going to be pretty epic. So the discussion I wanted to have with you today is about the story that broke this week about AMI lawyers allegedly blackmailing Jeff Bezos or Bezos. He's the owner of Amazon and The Washington Post and a known political enemy of Donald Trump by basically threatening to release photos related to his extramarital affair unless he went on the record saying that AMI's motives were not or, you know, what AMI was doing was not politically motivated. Can you tell us your first of all, just your top line reaction to these allegations in that medium article, that 10 page media medium article that Bezos wrote? Yeah. So let me say it this way. Right. I uh, among my day job includes uh, I represent a bunch of podcasts. So uh, it's literally true to say that I vet dick jokes for a living. Um, I've kind of a strange legal career. Um, and this is the most bizarre correspondence between lawyers that I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, it, it absolutely has sort of all the makings of extortion around it. And, uh, you know, I mean, like when you start to pour through it, you see completely contradictory statements, right? Like you see AMI's lawyers on the one hand saying, uh, it was perfectly legitimate for us to capture, uh, you know, naked photos of, of you, uh, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos and for us to publish it. But, but by the way, we're happy to enter into an agreement to not publish a thing that would obviously make us a lot of money as a tabloid press. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's insane. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. And speaking of, um, Gosh, that that email, that really odd exchange. Well, I can't remember the name of AMI's lawyer again, but is he now is he jeopardizing his his, you know, his bar um, membership in doing this kind of thing? I mean, it seems straight out to me. It seems like extortion. Uh, yeah. So so a couple of things. I mean, I want to I want to talk about uh, extortion. Um, the, the, the deputy general counsel who's on. The email that, that contains the proposed terms is John Fine, not somebody I know. Um, 
in terms of could he get disbarred, I, you know, you you typically don't get disbarred as a lawyer. I mean, this is one of the shames of, of, of our profession. Um, you can do all sorts of horrible things, but so long as you're not commingling client funds, you typically get, you know, censured or reprimanded or whatever. I don't I don't know if I'm sure there are some. I don't know of a case that involves a lawyer getting disbarred for being super shady. Um, but. That being said, right, it, it, I, I share your take on things, right? Like the, the federal extortion statute, right, says that's 18 USC 875 says that it's a crime to intend to extort a thing of value by threatening to injure the property or reputation of someone. Uh, and, and, you know, like state crimes that, uh, that, that deal with extortion define it as uh, trying to get something for a value in exchange for an accusation that would bring a person into contempt or disrepute. And right. That seems to be what this is, right? <laughs> we, we will publish, you know, dick pic of you and, you know, other um, things that are really only, you know, moderately embarrassing uh, in exchange for you killing a story. And, um, and that, that, you know, sort of seems to fit the definition of the statute to me. Yeah, and and we know that one of the lawyers, along with Fine, is Dylan Howard, or at least one of the people who was involved, deputy director, I think. And and Howard was uh, given, I think, at least situational immunity uh, in this case, or in, you know, in the in the campaign finance violation case with with uh, um, David Pecker. But and then also we know that AMI got a non prosecutorial agreement. Uh, out of that, where they wouldn't be prosecuted as an entity um, for cooperating. And does this kind of, you know, if this is found to be extortion, does it violate the non-prosecutorial agreement and the situational immunity that 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 was granted and the AMI entered into and Dylan entered into with federal prosecutors last September? And and if so, what would the implications of breaching that agreement be? Okay, that's a that's a fantastic question, and there's there's a ton to unpack here. So um, let me try and and walk through all of this. Um, if you will forgive a plug, I did episode two thirty five of Opening Arguments. I did a long sort of deep dive into this. Um, non-prosecution agreement when it first came out because it's kind of a weird thing, right? Like, I mean, it, you know, in, in layperson's terms, it's essentially a plea deal to a walk, right? And so um, the, the, the first right, thing... Right, we call it to, a plea deal without a plea. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so the first thing to keep in mind is that it is already limited in a couple of ways, right? So the the first thing is it it is a promise that the Southern District of New York, right? So this is uh, you know, not the Mueller investigation. You know, you've pointed out on your show a, a bunch of times that, you know, the, the Southern District is sort of handling, uh, you know, it, it kind of feels like Mueller is farming out the, uh, the cases that he doesn't want to deal with out, out to the, the Southern District. Um, and, and it is a promise that the Southern District and, and that's it. Uh, will not prosecute AMI for crimes related to their conduct between August 2015 and October 2016. Um, and in particular, that's related to the catch and kill of stories related to Donald Trump. Um, the, the, the first thing that I want to flag for you is that that August 2015 is pretty much coincidental with the start of the Trump campaign, right? Like, so in other words, one of the very first things that Donald Trump did was to arrange this deal with, 
American media and and the National Enquirer to catch and kill stories related to his campaign. I, I think that's kind of gone unnoticed because I think a lot of people are sort of reading the August 2015 and reading it with a six instead of a five. But but no, like literally one of the first things the president of the United States did before declaring himself as a candidate was make sure that his pet media outlet would uh, uh, catch and kill bimbo related stories. So that's wonderful. Um, and so uh, uh, the, the the catch and kill story uh, was uh, in, intended. Um, I mean, it, that very clearly is a campaign an, an illegal in kind campaign contribution. Um, the the FEC laws are are super clear on that, that uh, it is a thing of value that was not disclosed. Um, so uh, so the non-prosecution non, non-prosecution agreement uh, gives AMI immunity for that conduct, um, with the exception of uh, criminal tax violations. Right. So point one is the deal already would not include subsequent conduct after that period. Um, but it gets worse for AMI because the deal also has uh, what what we call Manafort clauses in it, right, which are uh, intended to allow the Southern District to use all statements that you make in connection with the deal if you violate any aspect of the deal, right, including statements made to the grand jury, including status reports that AMI was required to turn over. So. Now, then the question, so that's kind of point two. Um, and that's really, really bad, right? Like when you're cooperating, the fact that you've waived the use of all of those statements in subsequent proceedings is going to make it super easy for a prosecutor to bring a case against you. you doesn't it also say you can't commit any crimes from now until 2021? And then even then, you have to wait until these are all done and settled. And so that could even be longer. Yep. That is absolutely the punchline, right? So the obligations under the agreement, right, which was signed in September of 2018, explicitly run for three years, right, till September of 2021, uh, or the later of the date on which all prosecutions arising out of the conduct uh, are final, which, you know, could certainly be well past 2021. But but at minimum, uh, right, they run for three years. And and as you point out, there are five ways in which AMI could breach the agreement. The the first four are probably not impacted here. I mean, which is, you know, a little a little odd to think about. Uh, but but they govern the conduct between AMI and the Southern District. Um, so, you know, you have to be truthful in your disclosures. You have to cooperate. You have to attend the meetings. You have to provide documents. But a- as you point out, the, the sub point E says, uh, shall commit no crimes whatsoever. And so if AMI has arguably committed a crime, right? It does not say shall not be convicted of a crime, right? Um, then, uh, then absolutely. Uh, the the uh, the Southern District, and in, in particular, uh, Prosecutor Tom McKay, who's you know no no stranger to you and uh, and and your listeners, uh, could uh, could go could go back to court and uh, and 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 move to uh, to tear up the agreement and thereby use everything that anybody on behalf of AMI has provided in connection with their investigation against AMI. Yeah, and they could bring charges against them. Yeah, so that's pretty. Uh, substantial right there. Yeah, there were a lot of, uh, I think there were a lot of consequences if they violated any of those five things. And I'm, you know, we're thinking here, number five, don't, don't, <laughs> don't be a criminal. <laughs> um, 
uh, <laughs> it's weird that you have to tell anybody, <laughs> but you know they did. They they put it in there. They put it in writing, and they put it in for a specific reason. For these kind of things is exactly why they put that in there. So um, you know, it's 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 just odd to me that it would even. I don't know that that they would take this kind of a risk, and I'll talk about why they took that kind of a risk in a little bit. I have some questions about that. But now, what do you make uh, of the oh oh about the um, partial immunity or situational immunity or full immunity? I don't know what kind of immunity uh, Dylan got, Dylan Howard got, but can that also screw his immunity over? Like like the same with this non prosecutorial agreement. So I have not seen his deal. I have seen Pecker's deal and I have seen AMI's deal. Now, does Pecker's deal says that you can't commit crimes and if you do, no more immunity? Yes. Yeah, it does. Um, and, and look, it would be harder to connect Pecker. I mean, this is, you know, this is why there's a separate uh, agreement with AMI. It, it would be harder to draw the line back to Pecker because the crime that we're talking about here, the, the crime of extortion, is an intent crime. And right, it's a challenge to prove an intent crime, but it's not that hard of a challenge, right? Like, I, I think it would be, uh, you know, certainly on face, not hard to bring it corporately against AMI. Um, it would be harder on the face to bring it against Pecker with the information that we have just from right. Uh, Bezos, right? Right. Like without uh, some kind of internal correspondence from Pecker to, you know, his lawyers uh, that says, hey, you know, you've, you, you, you know, why don't we tighten the vice here on Bezos, you know? Uh, and I'm, I'm with you. I don't know. I, I think I've pronounced it both Bezos and Bezos in this. Uh. Right. You'd have to, you'd have to basically coax out, you'd have to coax out this intent, which is, is a lot harder to prove. Yeah. And it's going to be hidden behind, you know, assertions of privilege. And, uh, you know, there, there certainly is an argument when, when you look at this that, um, you know, attorney client privilege only, you know, doesn't automatically attach just because there's a lawyer in the room or a lawyer writing the document. You have to be legitimately seeking legal advice. And, you know, there would be an argument that, you know, extorting someone is not. Yeah, seeking well, there's the crime. Or- there's the crime fraud exception, right? To to that kind of a thing. So if you, yeah, you, it's attorney client privilege unless you're committing a fucking crime. So, like- <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it in realistic term, right? Like, you know, ju- judges and lawyers tend to have a pretty broad and expansive view of what constitutes attorney client privilege. Although, you know, as we've seen from the SDNY's, uh, uh, Michael Cohen investigation, you you sometimes, you know, that only goes so far. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and you're listening to The Daily Beans. I hope you're enjoying my interview with Andrew Torres from Opening Arguments. We'll be right back after this quick word. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and between hitting the gym, eating cleaner, or learning a new skill, there's a lot of ways we can better ourselves in the new year, but I can't think of one that's more important, especially to our mental health, than starting the year off tackling high-interest credit card debt. My friends at Upstart.com are here to help. Upstart is the revolutionary lending program that offers smarter rates to help you pay off high-interest credit card debt. Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score and rewards you based on your education and job history. They make the process fast and easy. You can check your rate in just a few minutes without hitting your credit. And once approved, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 300,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards and meet their financial goals. You can free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. 
CY Upstart is ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot. And hurry to upstart.com slash dailybeans to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes and it won't affect your credit. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. You'll be glad you did. And now back to our interview with Andrew Torres. Yeah, no, my favorite was, I think it was Don Jr. to Congress trying to claim attorney-client privilege uh, when he was talking about this, talking to his dad about the statement on the Trump Tower meeting when they were on Air Force One and he was on the ground. There, just because there was a lawyer in the room uh, doesn't make it real. So... Um, yeah, yeah, we, we, had a, we had a good laugh about that. Like, I mean, think about that. If that were the case, then the mafia would just like have a michael mm-hmm, which they do but they can't they can't do attorney client privilege for that shit um now what do you make of the allegations that the, the potentially a foreign intelligence agency may have intercepted and obtained the bezos photos and text messages for ami that's weird it's that's super weird and and I, i'd love to know your thoughts on that as well like to I'll tell you where I'm where I'm a little skeptical. Right. And that is the source of all of this seems to be from Manuel Roig Franzia, who's a reporter for The Washington Post. And again, I I don't I don't doubt that he's a a good reporter. Right. Like, but you have right. Bezos owns The Washington Post. (laughs) And when it is Washington Post reporters who are sort of driving the story, like, you know, it leads to things, right? Like, so I read, uh, Rug Franzia's article and it, it leads to things like, uh, you know, that the Washington Post, uh, reached out to Jay Carney, uh, Amazon's senior vice president for global corporate affairs, who declined the Post's request for an interview with Bezos. Like, like I, I, you know, I mean, like that's a weird yeah. thing to kind of parse, right? Like, uh, one Bezos entity reached out to another Bezos entity to ask if Bezos would speak from the left hand to the right. I, I, it's just weird, right? So, I don't know what to make of it. And I, you know, I, on the one hand, I, I want to you know, sort of look for the most parsimonious explanation. Um, and I think, right, if I mean, if you just ask me, delete everything else, what's the most parsimonious explanation? It would be that, um, right, the, the woman with whom Bezos was having the affair is uh, Lauren Sanchez, right? And her brother, uh, Michael, is a mega hat guy right like he's a trump supporter um and i have to like it's super hard right because he's he's michael sanchez and i keep thinking of uh lionel hutz's alter (laughs) ego you know miguel sanchez (laughs) um but but, uh but so right so michael sanchez has said oh yeah no like bezos used to come down and hang out with my sister and i've met him and uh, so uh, that seems to be Right. The easiest place whereby you would imagine that that Trump, you know, God, what if friends this is all of- just a giant long con, though, and she was just sent in to have an affair with him. And then that'd be crazy. Dude, who knows? Uh, that would that would be amazing. But right. Like, so what? But what? Uh, there, there are kind of two things that 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 make me, you know, keep open the the, you know, foreign intelligence aspect. And and the and the first one is that. In the email from John Fine to um, to DeBecker's attorney, Martin Singer, right? It's the last document that's in the the uh, Bezos Medium article um, that contains the proposed terms. Proposal proposed term number four is that AMI affirms that it undertook no electronic eavesdropping in connection with its reporting. So that just means they did. <laughs> Is what that means. 
You're like, hey, how about how about you draw us a roadmap there, John Fine? Why don't you, why don't you just tell us what to look for? Uh, uh, exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that that made me a little skeptical, and then also, you know, it it I when when the steel dossier first came out I, like i think i said on my show like I, it, you know oh it, come on like this is just like uh you know we're pretty lefty and but but come on and then of course you know every detail nothing surprises me anymore andrew yeah. nothing what do you think um, i mean like how does it strike you with the oh gosh i i don't i don't know somebody was saying mi6 other people are saying saudi arabia which seems to make more sense to me why would mi6 do that um, I, I really don't know, although what I do think, and, and I wanted to ask you about how Saudi Arabia might be involved in this, because as we know, the Inquirer loves Saudi Arabia and MBS, um, and, uh, it would make sense to me that they'd be in on this because they also hate the Washington Post. And we know why, because Jamal Khashoggi, uh, worked for the Washington Post. Um, and so, can you explain to us a little bit about what you think about Saudi Arabia maybe being involved in the connections between Bezos and the Washington Post and Khashoggi? Oh my God! Well, so so this story is is uh, I, I mean, if it doesn't make you angry, then I I I don't know what will. Right. So the the financial connection, uh, I think. Bezos lays out right like there's a little hyperlink in there to an AP news story about how uh, an AMI publication got access to uh, the Saudi royal family and then they put out this like 97 page you know coffee table magazine right like the you know like the yeah the new magic Saudi Arabia it's beautiful and fantastic and forget 9-11 just forget that now look you know uh, I so yeah I mean forget forget 9-11 I mean like let, let's Talk about, I mean, the, the, the Khashoggi, uh, like what happened there was you had a longstanding veteran journalist emigrates to the U.S. in 2017, starts working for the Washington Post, September 2017, um, report out just today that, uh, upon that, that contemporaneously with beginning to work for the Washington Post, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, says uh, that he would go after him, quote, with a bullet and that our intelligence sources, our intelligence analysts tell us that that means right. Yeah. Uh huh. OK. Um, but but and on and it odd, super odd that that just came out after this Bezos thing. But yes, yeah. continue. No, it, it, it is. And so that, you know, and then and Khashoggi is is at the Saudi consulate in Turkey, right, getting legal documents. He's kidnapped beheaded on orders of Mohammed bin Salman, right? That's not just me, liberal podcast host saying it. That's not the Washington Post saying it, right? Like, that's the CIA's report, right? And then in December, the United States Senate unanimously, right? That That is counting the howler monkey contingent in the U.S. Senate. Nevertheless, unanimously passed a resolution saying Mohammed bin Salman was responsible for the murder of, of Jamal Khashoggi. Um, and yet our game show host president said, well, you know, could be, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, right? Not the first time that Trump has just dismissed the findings of our national intelligence agencies. Um, and then, uh, Saudi Arabia obstructed the investigation, right? Like it is just like this behavior is, it, it would be an, an, an 
administration ending scandal for any previous president, right? Like a, a hostile foreign power beheaded a journalist working for the Washington Post. Our intelligence sources confirm that. And our president. Yeah, and, and I think just today, Trump. We found out he's not going to honor that request from the bipartisan group of senators to investigate Khashoggi. He's not going to. And I feel like that's a that violates the Magnitsky Act as well. If there aren't laws that it violates, there should be. Right. Right. Like, I mean, it, it's it that is. It, it, yeah. I, again, I, I mean, I'm just, you know, sort of literally angry with rage right here. It It is it it it, 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 it just continues to be more validation that, you know, our president does not have a notion of what it means to have civic obligations or be patriotic and you know that the the only hope i see for the future is that i believe and this may be hope after hope that there are members of the republican party that like for for well, whom that's what we thought too and because it was the senators on the senate foreign relations committee in october that invoked the magnitsky act um, giving Trump 120 days to to report to Congress on his findings and, and how he plans to react. And and today we find out he's not going to give that report. And that, to me, seemingly violates the Magnitsky Act. Uh, and my glimmer of hope is that we now have a lot of uh, really uh, raring-to-go oversight committees in the House that <laughs> that are probably going to have a look in, a look-see into this. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And again, and I want to I want to underscore that, right? Like Richard Burr's committee, right? The Senate Intelligence Committee uh, affirmed the findings of our, you know, the joint findings of our intelligence agency and continued the investigation, you know, despite the fact that Burr was on Trump's foreign policy team in 2016. Right. And and um, and, and again, uh, contrary to, you know, Devin Nunez and the, you know, House rubber stamp committee that said, oh, yeah, definitely nothing to see here. Right. It it and the reason and again, right, Richard Burr, I, I am sure that Richard Burr and I disagree on 99 percent of politics. But I also think that Richard Burr does not want to see a hostile foreign power. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that there's a, a lot more credibility to the Senate uh, oversight uh, in and especially on the Republican side than there was ever in the House. Um but finally, the, the the pushback from AMI to go as far as potentially blackmailing Bezos seems to indicate that they're trying to cover up something big. Otherwise, they wouldn't presumably be willing to risk breaching that non-prosecutorial agreement or jeopardizing potentially, um, you know, Pecker, Dylan, Howard's uh, situational or whatever kind of immunity they have. Do you think AMI could have conspired with Trump or the White House on any of this? Like, Because Trump has a history of abusing executive power to try to stick it to Bezos. We remember when he pressured the Postmaster General to double the Amazon shipping costs. And that, that to me is just an impeachable offense uh, because that's what happened with Nixon trying to get the IRS to go after the bastards. But uh, what do you think they could be trying to block investigators from finding? And and we found out today these federal prosecutors are now looking into this Bezos shit. What are they? What did what were they willing to breach that non-prosecutorial agreement to cover up? So um, th- let, let me let me first kind of lay the, the, the groundwork for that, because when you're talking about potentially indicting a corporation, right? Corporations are people, my friend. So uh, corporations can be indicted just like 
people can be indicted. And, um, the, you know, DOJ has issued guidelines about how to go about indicting a corporation. And the, the, the interesting wrinkle, I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious when you start to think about it, but, um, the, the wrinkle as, uh, illustrated in the DOJ guidelines and as demonstrated through uh, through case law is that you have to show that the corporation was acting in the corporation's interest in committing the alleged crime or crimes. Right. So by by contrast, right, like if Pecker were using AMI and using the National Enquirer to enrich himself at the expense of the Enquirer, then those would be grounds to bring charges against Pecker, right? But they wouldn't be grounds to, to bring charges against AMI. And, and this was one of the things that really struck me way back when this AMI deal was signed in, in September of 2018, because every public allegation we had seemed to support the former set of facts and not the latter, right? Um, so for example, right, like the McDougal story, right, as, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of an allocution, right? Like in the non-prosecution agreement, there's a nine paragraph statement of, of admitted facts. And, and in that statement, right, on behalf of AMI, it agrees that they paid $150,000 for the McDougal story, they didn't intend to run it. And it contains, this is paragraph five, this, this clause that says that that 150,000 was quote, substantially more money than AMI otherwise would have paid to acquire the story. And when you stop to parse that out, essentially what they're saying is we bought a story. We incurred more expenses than we otherwise would have in acquiring the story. And then we didn't run it. Right. So we missed out on the opportunity. Right. So they aren't really trying to enrich themselves um, in this case. And we knew back then that they were uh, risking the magazine going under and some of the other magazines to go under. They were doing that. And then we found out something about. Um, oh, what's his fucking name? Chris Christie stealing pension pension funds from New Jersey and giving it to AMI. And now I'm wondering how much Saudi Arabia is bankrolling uh, AMI uh, so that they could do all these things without worrying about, you know, tanking the paper. I, I, I think that's right. And so uh, once again, you've sort of cut, you know, cut to the punchline, which is at, at some point there there must be a a direct or pretty direct you know pretty strong inference to significant chunks of money from from other sources right because at the end of the day like that's the inquiry that that any court would do in terms of uh evaluating and 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 the doj would do in terms of evaluating whether you could bring charges against ami and and as i pointed out back when this, this deal was signed uh, AMI's counsel in this case is the, they're, you know, they're top notch lawyers, uh, who have been doing this for a long, long time. And I, I would not think, <laughs> uh, and I expressed at the time that you, you, if, if you counsel your client that they have no risk of being indicted, then you wouldn't sign the non-prosecution agreement, right? You're not getting anything uh-huh. in exchange uh-huh. for that. And as, as so we're signing right- a non-prosecutorial agreement, signing a non-prosecutorial agreement is almost uh, a consciousness of guilt situation. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly right. I, 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 I love the way you've, I love the, you know, the way you put it. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, I said at the time, look, that 
there's there's something there that that represents, if not a direct quid pro quo. And again, the standard isn't quite. I mean, I don't want to get too much on you know law geekery, but like the standard isn't at the level of quid pro quo, like you know in the Supreme Court McDonald case, right? That the the Virginia governor where they're like, well, if you don't say, I am giving you this in exchange for you doing what, right? It, it's it's not. You don't have to prove at, at that level, um, but you do have to demonstrate um, that that the uh, benefits are not to the actions of the individuals. Interesting. Well, I'm definitely fascinated about uh, by this, and I'm, I'm really uh, excited to see what comes out of this investigation now that the federal prosecutors are looking into it. And uh, hopefully we'll get to have you back on once we find get the findings from that. And AMI is definitely, as an entity, going on my fantasy indictment league this week. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, can, you, hey, can you tell us, Andrew, uh, again, where we can find your podcast? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's the opening arguments podcast. So um, if you start typing opening into uh, into iTunes or your podcast vehicle, it, it usually is the first hit that comes up. It's got a lovely like little blue background or you can go to open args, O-P-E-N-A-R-G-S dot com and uh, you know, look for opening arguments. Anyway, we we pick that on purpose. I get lawyers who will always. Uh, you know, write in and be like, you know, you can't give arguments in your opening <laughs> statement. I'm like, Thanks. You seem fun. I bet you're fun at parties. Um, <laughs> if I got if I had a nickel for every time I got some sort of comment like that, I would be in uh, a tax bracket that I would benefit from Trump's tax plan. Um all right, everybody, lawyer, co-host of Open Arguments podcast, Andrew Torres. Andrew, thanks for coming on Mueller She Wrote today. I appreciate it. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>